Nation, Rob McGregor, welcome you to a place where all kinds of phenomena flourish. Voices whisper, ancient secrets, signs and symbols are abundant. UFOs, ETs, ghosts, and even the dead move about freely. Here we meet authors, researchers, and investigators of the mysterious, the strange, and of the inexplicable anomalies that surround us. Step out of the everyday world and take a journey into the mystical underground. Welcome to the Mystical Underground. Thank you for joining us. This is Rob McGregor and our tech magician producer, John Posey. You can go to themysticalunderground.com where we make regular posts and you can find out about our books. Our most recent nonfiction book is Phenomena, Harnessing Your Psyche, uh, Psychic Abilities. New books coming out this year in 2022 will include Trisha's latest novel, White Crows, and our nonfiction book, The Shift, Reports from the Mystical Underground. Okay, our guest today is Candace Sanderson, who's been with us before. She uh, lives in Naples, Florida, and her life changed in a 10-minute period in August 2013 when she began to receive information from messengers from otherworldly sources. When her training as a psychologist failed to explain these events, she reluctantly followed the breadcrumbs down a path which resulted in extraordinary adventures into the unknown. The reluctant messenger and the reluctant messenger returns chronicle her expedition across a vast expanse of universal consciousness that led to new truths about life that she thought she had known so well. Welcome, Candace. It's Welcome, great to have Candace. You Good to Thank have you, you back. It is great to be back again. Thank you both. All the way from across Florida. We're on the East Coast. You're on the West Coast. Naples, yeah. right? Yeah. Yes, I'm in Naples. I was just going to say, we just have a little bit of land separating us. Right, yeah. Across, the, across, across the Everglades. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay, we want to focus on your latest book, which was completed, I think, in May of uh, 2020. And the, the messages you were receiving from your angels and guides is that of a theme of transformation of the planet, that humanity was at a tipping point as our planet was about to enter a cycle that would raise the planet's uh, vibrations into higher dimensional realms. Are we there yet? Because it doesn't feel that way sometimes. (laughs) It seems we're in a time of uh, chaos and disunity, oftentimes rather than evolutionary change. How do we move beyond the divisiveness? You know, it's funny, Rob, you ask, are we there yet? Well, simple... (laughs) Simple answer, nope. (laughs) But sometimes we can look at things differently. Sometimes it's the chaos and that divisiveness. They are actually part of the process for evolutionary change. Yes. After all, that chaos, it calls to us. It makes it very difficult for us to ignore. Mm -hmm. Now, a little bit of background. I grew up in western Kentucky. As a child, you never saw me with shoes on. Going barefoot, I loved that freedom. But sometimes it came with a cost. I would step on something. I would get a splinter deeply embedded in my foot. Now, what I learned was if I didn't take care of that right away, my foot, I would suffer. My foot would swell. It would be so painful and inflamed. So I knew I had to get that splinter out as much as it would hurt to do so. But after that initial pain of removing the splinter, then things would calm down and eventually I'd be back to running barefoot. Mm -hmm. Well, the messengers have told me that navigating these times are a lot like that scenario with a splinter in your foot. Mm -hmm. Once the splinter is embedded, It's painful. You cannot ignore it, just like we can't ignore the chaos and conflict that we see around us. Mm -hmm. But as we I don't know, when we delve into those issues, those issues that separate people, it's just like digging out that splinter. It hurts. It's painful. But digging through the chaos can release the cause of the pain. So in terms of evolutionary changes, we know things take time. But during these changes, although it looks like we're not making progress, Mm -hmm. we are. Things are 
building, boil, mm-hmm. you know, they're bubbling to the surface, just like that splinter. But as we see and experience the chaos, we learn, we have opportunities to learn. So what, uh, what role has the, the splinter? <laughs> yeah. What role has the pandemic played in this evolutionary change? Well, that's front and center of, of so much of it. Mm-hmm. You know, learning to navigate these times, like through the pandemic and everything else that we see around us, these are giving us opportunities for growth. They're giving us choices where <sighs> we can actually learn to, or will we, learn to see things from a different perspective. It's giving us an opportunity to actually step back and view life from a higher perspective. But the big question is, Rob and Trish, will we? You know, will we choose to act instead of react? Will we learn new ways to cope? You know, what I have found is what helps me the most is Taking a deep breath when someone or something pushes my buttons. By taking that deep breath, I find a calm and centered place from which to live. And for me, it's the heart space. I put all my energy into my heart and then I let my heart guide me. Now, this was hard to do because as a psychologist, I lived in my head space for so long. Uh-huh. I analyzed everything. I made little lists, you know. These are the pros and these are the cons. Mm-hmm. But now I've learned if I get out of the headspace, if I quit analyzing and I use my heart for discernment, it leads me into this very safe and comfortable space where I can find moments of peace among all the chaos that surrounds us. Uh, is there a tipping point that we might uh, reach where things change that if enough people make that uh, move to uh, addressing the issue and uh, focusing on their heart? Well, you know, we are at that tipping point now. But as we talk about evolutionary changes, that tipping point doesn't happen over a few hours or a few weeks. It's Mm -hmm. going to take time. But we are at that tipping point right now. And as more and more people learn to look at things differently and embrace different thoughts mm-hmm. then as as a group humanity can survive not even survive but can flourish hmm. yeah. your your book Candace, focuses on uh, you, you know your messengers but they're you call them angels okay what's the difference between an angel and a spirit guide or is there any difference Well, maybe there is and maybe there isn't. You know, that's a good question, Trish. But let me tell you, first of all, how they are alike. Okay. What they are both, spirit guides and angels are both what I call energy systems. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is they exist in the non-physical realms. And their energy is so subtle. It's so subtle that it's hard to communicate with them only using our five physical senses. Mm-hmm. Now, angels and guides are both the same because they connect with us to guide us and to protect us. Now, from my perspective, from my experience, angels seem to take more of a, you can't see my air quotes here, but a, a step <laughs> back and watch attitude. Okay. They usually wait for us to ask before intervening. Now, I found out that's not a hard, fast rule, but it is more often true than not. But then our spirit guides seem to come closer. It's like they're around us all the time and they're ready to just tap us on the shoulder to give us a sign that tells us to pay attention. Mm-hmm. You know, another thing I've learned from angels is that there's there's groups and there's subgroups of them. But angels, according to the messengers, have told me that they are beings like light beings or energy beings with higher vibrations Mm -hmm. and when you're dealing with a non-physical energy system with high vibrations that energy is so subtle um we don't perceive them because we're vibrating at such a much lower level because we rely on our five physical senses 
So is there a division between angels and spirit guides in terms of evolutionary development then, or vibration level? Well, yes, that, that's interesting that you ask that. What the messengers have told me is that there's actually this continuum. We start way down here where we are as humans, and then you go all the way to, to source, whatever mm-hmm. you call source, whether it's, right. it has a religious terminology or not, but there's this continuum. We're way down here like sludging around in the very dense world of the physical. Mm-hmm. But then we travel as we become lighter. In other words, as we become enlightened. So then we start seeing saints. Uh, we start seeing ascended masters. We see spirit guides. We see angels. And the only thing that separates us between between us and them is their position on this continuum being closer to source. Mm. Candace, I, I think it was in your first book. Yeah, it was your first book where you talk about you were in your car on your way to work one day yes. and you started receiving this message. Okay, so you're driving and you're getting these yes. messages. How, how does that affect your driving? I mean, it sounds yeah. like a stupid question, but I've always wondered about that. You know, if you receive, <laughs> if you receive info from some other source in your, in your car, you know, I mean, it sounds pretty scary. You're driving to work and all of a sudden you get these messages. But but let me tell you something, Trish. It really was so safe. First of all, when I got my first message, um, August 28th, 2013, I'm driving to work. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have like a 10 minute, 10, 12 minute drive to work. And I'm always early. So I'm on the road. It's dark. There's no traffic. And my car knows the route. It's almost on autopilot. Uh. So um, now to kind of even make this point, uh, a few years later, I transferred to another place, another school that I was working, and there was a lot of traffic. I had to start later, and I no longer got the messages. So oh, okay. it, it, it was safe, and if it wasn't, it would not have occurred. But what was so cool about this is once I started getting the messages, they were so specific. They were like dictation. I would hear when to start a new paragraph, what words to use. And it was, you know, I mean, it was great because all I had to do was open my voice recorder and right. then just record. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, how would you describe angels and what's your definition of what an angel is? What do they look well, like? Well, first of all, they're non-physical. Okay. Yeah. Although they can appear in human forms. Yeah. But. These are beings that are so filled with love and light, and they are they have these that this beautiful high vibration. Now, um, there's a team of angels, and each person has a team of angels that is assigned to them. There's a transition team, for example, and this transition transition team, they come with us when we incarnate into our lives as earthlings. Some of them retreat when we're born, but others stay with us at all times. Now, when it's time for us to transition, to make that final transition back into the realms of the non-physical, when our physical bodies are like done, spent, Mm -hmm. this same transition team returns to help us. When I learned that, it was so powerful. I mean, think about it. We are never alone. We go through life and sometimes we think we're alone, but no, we are not on a solo trek. Our angels and also our guides are here with us. Now, they have told me that they are not these lofty winged creatures that play harps on white fluffy clouds, (laughs) but they are high vibrational energy beings, beings of light Mm -hmm. who primarily inhabit those non-physical realms. So, you know, whether you embrace a religious view of them or not, it doesn't matter. They mm-hmm. represent what's good. They represent yeah. love and gratitude and compassion. Yes. Mm-hmm. Do they ever take on different shapes or forms? I'm just wondering. Well, you have a yeah. great story related to that uh, uh, synchronicity, really, about angels with uh, wings on their feet. Can you tell yeah, us? Yeah, I love that oh. one. That's a good story. Oh, okay. I, I'm going to try to tell you that one. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Many, many years ago, 
um, my husband passed away. He had just turned a, he had just turned 35. And I was at the hospital with him. I'd been at the hospital for, you know, for the longest time. And I would, would never leave his bedside except once or twice a day. I'd go to the end of the hall to a, a, a like a, a waiting room at the intensive care unit. I'd grab a cup of coffee, spend a couple of minutes, and then I'd come back. Well, one day I went to the end of the hall, went to this, you know, room. And like, I knew everyone in the waiting room because they had been there. They were like me. They were camping out all the time. And all of a sudden, I saw these two men that were out of place. I mean, first of all, I didn't recognize them. It's like, who are these? They didn't look like the rest of us. You know, they didn't look like they were sad and disheveled and walking around like Mm. zombies. They were just sitting there chatting. One man said to the other, these were, well, I thought they were elderly men. They were probably in their 80s. That's not that old now, but back then I thought (laughs) they were elderly. But one said to the other, he said, you know, I saw an angel on this street corner in Cincinnati, Ohio. He said, but the funny thing about it, this angel just flew right up in front of him. But he had wings on his feet. (laughs) His, His friend smiled, nodded his head. Well, this was way back in, in the 1980s, and I thought it was crazy talk. I thought it was nonsense. So I just picked, and this is long before angels were popular. Mm-hmm. So I picked up my coffee, and I returned to Daryl's room. Well, within moments, the hospital chaplain came in, and Daryl had been in a coma since the day before, and it's like, it, it was time. It was time. So I asked the chaplain to say a prayer for Daryl to be released. The chaplain took my hand and each of us had a hand on Daryl. And he started this, this beautiful prayer. It was so poetic. And then I couldn't believe it. He asked for the angels with winged feet <laughs> to carry him up. I still get cold chills when I yeah, tell the story. Really, yeah. It's like, my eyes flew open. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I'd never heard of angels with winged feet. And then now hearing two different conversations within an hour, you know, yes. really got my attention. Now, not long afterward, Daryl passed. But later, I didn't tell this story to anyone till years later. Well, one of my sisters who has uh, a much more religious slant than I do said, well, Candace, don't you know? Don't you know those men were the angels? Oh, jeez. They were waiting to carry Daryl to his home. (laughs) They were there to guide him in this final transition. And it's like, oh, my gosh. And she even quoted some Bible verse in Hebrews about, you know, entertaining strangers because you might be (laughs) entertaining angels. And it's like, oh, my gosh, it made perfect sense because – these men were just sitting and waiting. And uh. now, even later, the um, the messengers confirmed that they were there. They were the angels waiting for him. Huh. So, yes, angels can certainly appear to us in different forms. Um, mm. And not only just in human form, they can, you can engage with um other things like, you know, I had a mystical experience with the tree once, and I really think that was angel energy that came and infused that tree with this ability to communicate with me, animals, different things like that as well, too. You, um, you had a serious vocal cord disorder after thyroid surgery, and yes. you weren't able to talk without electronically enhancing your voice. Tell us about the healing that it happened at the Monroe Institute. I found that fascinating. This this was fascinating. Um, I had a thyroidectomy. So both of my thyroid, you know, my thyroid, both lobes were removed. Uh And it was supposed to be this easy surgery in and out. Nope, not at all. During the surgery, my right vocal cord was paralyzed. So I could no longer talk above a whisper. I had trouble swallowing. Sometimes I could barely breathe. And as a psychologist, I had to have my voice. So I had to wear this ugly and embarrassing, humiliating voice box. Huh. And it was, you know, I had a microphone. And so 
and I would whisper. My whispers were amplified through this box so people could hear me. It was it was really humiliating. How but long did three, you have that? Well, three months. So three mm. months after having no voice, I went back to my surgeon and he said, you know, I think you have a paralyzed vocal cord. Well, we, you know, we knew that was true. <laughs> and he sent me to a specialist. This ENT special, you know, this specialist scoped my throat with this tiny camera that felt like it was the size of a house, went up through my nose and and down into my vocal cords. And he made me say all these sounds, which most of them I couldn't see. But the reason I'm telling you this is I now had medical proof. I had a video that showed my right vocal cord was paralyzed. Mm. When I checked out, I was supposed to come back the next week. And I just whispered, I'm going out of town. I'll call next week for an appointment. Well, and we were going to start the pre-surgical process. He said he could rebuild my vocal cord using a Teflon sheet or something like that. But anyway, I went to Monroe Institute in Virginia. And that's for those that aren't familiar with Monroe. It's like one of the world's best places in consciousness exploration. And their programs are based on these the sound technology using Monroe sound science or binaural beats. The but anyway, pardon? The, the hemisync tape. The, right? the, the hemisync, yeah. yes. And so it's all sound based. I call it the lazy person's way to meditate. You don't <laughs> have to do anything. You just put on headphones, the headphones will, will take you there. But mm-hmm. during this retreat, they had they wanted us to beta test some of their newer technology. Well, there were like 50 of us on campus, and we said, great, we want to do this. We had three short selections to listen to, like they were seven or ten minutes long, and we had this paper we were supposed to write down our experiences. Oh, my gosh, Rob and Trish, I will never forget this. On the second selection, and there's, it's not guided, it's just the sound. Mm-hmm. I'm kicked back just listening, and all of a sudden, Buddha Buddha appears in front of me. He looks me straight in the eyes and says, be silent for 24 hours and you will be healed. Wow. Now, this was crazy. I've already told you I grew up in Western Kentucky. (laughs) I will tell people that I am a recovering Baptist. (laughs) Buddha was not in my orbit. He's not even on my radar. The reason I say that is, I knew I wasn't making this up. If I had invented this, I would have pulled someone from my Christian heritage. Not right. hmm. I kept that promise. I did not use my vocal cords for 24 hours. And when I did, unbelievable. My voice was back full strength. Wow. And because I just had my vocal cords scoped and recorded on video, I had documentation. Hmm. I had proof of something no one that I personally knew had ever experienced, a documented medical miracle. Wow. Now, Did you go back to the surgeon and show him that, (laughs) that you could speak? No, I didn't. In fact, my son-in-law asked me that after (laughs) the second book came out. He said, did you go back and, and, you know, tell the doctors? Like, no, I just, (laughs) I just didn't. Now, it took me about three chapters in the book to tell the story, but I'm giving you the Cliff Notes version. But after after this, what happened is I had a channeled message right before I went to the doctor. I mean, a message I channeled. But I didn't even know about it. It took five years before I discovered it. Mm. But. I had this message that explained why I had the paralyzed vocal cord during that. What was the message? Okay. During that three months of silence with no Uh voice, they said that, quote, my vocal cords were being prepared for me to be, quote, the voice of the angels. So it, they were working on me during that three-month period. They were working on me on an energy level in order for me to open up to be a channel. So, um, you know, I want you to realize this, how crazy this sounded to me. I mean, as a scientist, as a psychologist, 
my world revolved around physicality. If I couldn't mm-hmm. measure something with my physical senses, it didn't exist. Right. So mm-hmm. imagine when a few months later, all of a sudden I'm receiving messages from the other side. But it all started with the paralysis of my vocal cords uh. and then that miraculous healing. And once I regained my voice, it's like the doors opened and I became this voice for, huh. you know, many messengers on the other side, including including angels. Jeez. So it was a method towards expansiveness for you, in a sense, uh, yes. going through that experience. Yeah. How, how often do you receive messages now? Well, or I retired. Yeah, I, I retired in June 2018. So when I was working, uh-huh. if I had a short drive to work, it was perfect. I would get right. those messages. Now, it seems like the messengers and angels are always around. And I get more messages on demand than before. Now, if I go to a meditation, then I always go early. I sit before other people come in and then I get a download where all of this information comes in. Hmm. You know, I kind of laugh and I tell people, it's like I'm straddling the world. I've got one leg that's, you know, firmly planted in the 3D world of this earth. (laughs) But that other leg, it's in this other dimensional space of energy. It's the world of the non-physical, the dimension of spirit. I can sit down now at a computer, ask a question, and type the answer as it arrives. Wow. Or I, I can turn on my voice recorder and simply say, hey, what's up? And then the dictation <laughs> begins. But wow. all I need to do is find a couple minutes to relax, mm-hmm. to breathe deeply. So I'm connecting, and then the messages begin. Now, a lot of times the messages will come without asking out of the blue. You know, I'm taking a shower, you know, whatever, and something goes right. in. Like, for example, I just got back from Kentucky because my sister-in-law passed. And it, I mean, it was so, so sad, so sad. But this is Daryl's sister. And she was, you know, in. she had to go to the hospital. They had to put her on a vent. But then they were saying, you know, her her levels are better. She she's doing well. And then, like the next day after that, I had this flash. I mean, I was just like walking. I wasn't thinking anything. And all of a sudden, I saw Daryl, you know, my uh, husband who had passed, uh, and I saw his dad with him. And they were just looking. And then then that was it. They were gone. But where, I knew exactly. In front of you? I knew exactly what it was they were right there waiting for my sister-in-law to pass and i didn't say anything to anyone because i was hoping they were just waiting to see what would happen but it's like i I knew and a couple days later she did pass and i haven't shared this with the with the family yet because it's just it's still too raw for them right right but it's so um it just feels so good i know it anyway but it feels so good for me to have been able to see Daryl and his dad, knowing yeah. that they were right there waiting for her when it was time for her to cross over. So sometimes that, the messages come just out of the blue when right. I yeah. need to hear something or see something. So did they look healthy? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, they, they were healthy. They were yeah, they they looked great. Now it's yeah. funny because sometimes when they'll come, when people have passed, I mean, Daryl was so young when he passed; he had just turned thirty-five. Right. Yeah. And they'll say that when people are older, then as you see, see them again, those air quotes that you don't see, yeah. as you see them, they seem to be younger. <laughs> but you know, they're they're healthy; they feel good. But you certainly know who the who they are. You That's feel the their energy. Pardon? <laughs> so related, was that, she asked if this was the first time that you'd seen them? Oh, no, 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 no. I see them, I see them so many times. Oh, okay. You know, it, and, it, you know, it's great because I know I have that connection with them. And that's another thing that um, the messengers and the angels have told me is that when you connect with them or like with people who have passed away, there's... Mm-hmm. It's not really mystical or spiritual. You know, there's aspects of that. Mm-hmm. It's not It's not really woo-woo, though. Uh-huh. It's yeah. a matter of energy. It's a matter of physics. 
They say that once you make a connection to a non-physical energy system, Mm -hmm. an angel, a guide, someone who's passed, we can get there again. The first connection that we make lays the foundation. Now, they call it an electromagnetic foundation. You know, is it really? I don't know. But it it makes it easier for me to understand. But Mm -hmm. once you make that foundation, first of all, it's easier for you to return back home. So if anyone is concerned about what if I get lost out there, you won't. You won't (laughs) come home. But whether you've done that, you know, whether it's in the dream state or mm -hmm. whatever, you start building this foundation and you can find your way back and forth. And the more you travel there, the easier it becomes. Yeah. So related to this, in the aftermath of your healing at the Monroe Institute, you went back for a workshop focusing on soul retrieval. I think uh, you call it the lifeline uh, workshop. Uh, It seems that uh, you made genuine contacts with people who had recently died and uh, you were able to uh, bring through evidence that you were able to verify. Yes. uh, uh, Tell us about that and uh, how you proved to yourself that these contacts were real. Oh, Rob, this was crazy. This was a few months after I had that miraculous healing in my vocal cord. Yeah. So I got to Monroe, and there's a graduate level program called Lifeline. Right. And we're supposed to rescue people who have recently passed. They haven't quite made it to the other side. Well, I actually went to this program uh, not because I was interested in this, but it was a prerequisite for another program. Uh-huh. Now, what I actually it was Starlines I had already oh, taken okay. Gateway and but <clears throat> it's like I'm thinking Lifeline what is this you know we're doing soul retrievals what does that mean does that mean you're you're finding pieces of yourself <laughs> that you're connecting with parts of your soul I mean are you really really now helping other people who have died you're helping them pass over i I didn't know if i really even believed that Mm -hmm. but during this first exercise it's like i got nothing you know the first few minutes but that didn't surprise me it was always these other people that had experiences not me i I, like i didn't have a psychic bone in my body well all of a sudden i felt this need to grab my phone so I, i fumbled for my phone opened up the voice memo app and i hit record for reasons I will never know, I said a man's first and last name, someone I've never heard of before, followed by a city and state, a state I've never even been in. Next, I said the word Jackson. I didn't know what Jackson was, but I knew what it was not. It was not a family name. And I'm thinking, oh, look how, it, you know, isn't this funny how your mind just makes things up? Well, when the exercise was over for fun, I Googled this information. And I about fell out of my chair. And I, there was his obituary. First and last name, check. The same name and the same location. Huh. City and state, check. Right. And then oh. Jackson, that was where he worked. He worked at Jackson County Correctional Facility. Jeez. Wow. And something I didn't know until I was writing the first book and I put him in this book, he had passed three months before to the day of the retrieval. Wow. This absolutely blew me away. <coughs> but was he- I, I kept reading. And guess what? This man was a psychologist. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I didn't pick up on that. But he was a psychologist just like me. And that's when everything fell into place. Mm-hmm. We shared the same energy frequency, the same energy pattern of both being psychologists. It's that law of attraction at work, Uh like magnets. We were drawn to each other, and then we connected. Now, what I didn't realize till later is this was part of my training. There were these prerequisites that I needed to go through before I actually started channeling. One was that three-month period without you know, a functional voice followed by the healing. And then this was the practice. You know, after that first man, I had name, rank, and serial number, you know, first, middle, last name, cities and states of like five and six people. 
And then I no longer started asking because I didn't need to verify the data. I just focused on gathering more and more souls that needed to find heaven or what Bob Monroe called Focus 27. Uh But I left that program transformed. What I believed, I no longer believed. These were not beliefs. Mm -hmm. They became knowns. I knew that when you died, you could still communicate, that you still existed. So I came home totally changed. My entire Mm -hmm. belief system crumbled Mm -hmm. beneath me. Mm-hmm. And two weeks later, I'm driving to work, and that's when the first message comes in. Uh, wow. Yeah, wow. That's interesting. I, I have a question. Was he on the other side for three months just wandering around? Yeah, where was he? That yeah, was I, mean, what I, I was going to ask. Monroe doesn't really ever – I mean, Monroe explains Focus 27 in his book, but my right. question was always, okay – he was like so between around over there, the or? earth and the afterlife or where was he? What? Right. Well, there are, according to Monroe, there are several locations, different focus levels where someone right. might be. There's something called a belief system territory. And Monroe theorizes that if your belief is if you die, you go to sleep, then you might find people that are in this area that are sleeping because they mm-hmm. think that's what's supposed to happen. But quite often when someone passes, they don't immediately go to the other side. You know, they're, they're a little confused. They're just out there. It's like, what do I do? Where am I? Uh-huh. They, in, in Lifeline, they initially tell us to get what they called were quote newcomers, people who had recently passed because they were easy. It was easier for them <clears throat> to recognize us as being humans, they're they're just right. they're just in an in between stage. Right. So they weren't ac- they weren't actually stuck though, were they? I mean, no, were, they just had not transitioned yet. Right. Yeah. Okay. And that's that's very different than finding someone who's been there for hundreds of years. Yeah. That yeah. that is it's actually stuck. But we also would see that people that would be in a belief system territory and they might have been there for many years, right. all of a sudden they start to wake up and, and you could use them. You could talk with them and you could you could you, you would call in whatever worked for you. I would bring in my angels and guides even when I didn't wasn't even too sure I had them and I would have them help me bring them over. I mean, it, it was it turned out to be probably the most profound program I've ever attended at Monroe. And just to think I went there when I didn't even believe it and didn't care what happened, but that may have been key because I really wasn't latched on to, Oh, I've got to do this. I didn't really care. And I think that just left me open for it to like magically unfold. The the idea about the, uh, the, the zone or, uh, Focus twenty seven. Yeah, where where your belief systems you you are in a place related to your belief system. So, mm-hmm. uh, could this be people believe that a certain they have a certain image of what heaven is like or uh, hell. and uh, or hell, and that that's what they're experiencing, but it's not really something that they have to uh, remain into for eternity. Well, if if you. See, there's a difference between a belief and a known, but most of us think that our beliefs are knowns, and the stronger we are attached to that belief, so the belief is, if you die, that's it, you're just, Mm -hmm, nothing happens, the more you've attached to that and you believe that, or when you die, you go to hell, or, or whatever your belief is, the more likely you are to be stuck in those energy frequencies and vibrations. And it just takes takes time. It's let's see. That's I can't even say time because for them there is no such thing as yeah. time. But it takes. Sometimes things will change, and they will they will loosen their grip on some of their beliefs, mm-hmm. and just open to the possibility. Well, what if? You know, what if there is something? What if there is something more than this? And once their vibrations start to raise and as as they get higher, then they're more likely to connect with their guides and angels and, and 
others that are trying to help them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Candace, I want to read um, part of a message from June 4th, 2014 uh, that came through to you. Uh, just This is just uh, one sentence of it. Uh, it says, uh, she was, speaking of you, she was originally a part of each of these energy systems. They are all part of her collective source. Now, to me, that seems to suggest that these messages uh, are from a part of you, of your essence. So would you agree with that? Or, you, uh, or is it outside of you or both or what? <laughs> well, I, I would agree. And yes, it's both. But the easiest way for me to think and to relate to this is through the law of attraction. Mm -hmm. Like attracts like. Now, that message that the messengers were given, giving me, this they went on to talk about the human body being composed of stardust. Now, as I'm getting this message, I'm thinking this is crazy talk, but, you know, I wouldn't judge it. I would just let the energy, the message flow, and then later I would research it. So when they start talking about everyone has stardust in them, which I thought was nonsense, I discovered that there was this astrophysicist and his wife, who was a medical doctor, who wrote one or two books that supported that theory, saying that we're all composed of stardust. So what I'm guessing is, for example, when I connected with <coughs> Alpha Centauri or with Chiron, the reason I made that connection is that there's a part of me that's stardust, that's part of my body that connects with them. It's just like the connection I made at Lifeline. That gentleman and I shared the same energy pattern of being a psychologist. Huh. It's all about energy frequencies and vibrations. I start my first book with a quote from Nikola Tesla, who talks about, you know, if you want to know the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. It's these common energy patterns in the form of stardust, maybe, that make us gravitate toward each other. It's that like attracts like. Mm -hmm. I remember one thing Monroe talked about in his book was that there was a particular place in the afterlife for doctors. <laughs> because he, apparently because they tend to be more skeptical. Well, I... When you go to Focus 27, Focus 27 is that area once they, you have made your complete transition. Yeah. So you are you're like on that other side. But there, is, there are several centers there. Now, you know, is there really a center there? Well, maybe, maybe not. But the more people who go there and like those at Monroe and we, uh -huh. there's even a program called Exploration 27 where all we're doing right. Is, is in that focus 27, the more we as a collective consciousness see these certain centers, the more because thoughts are energy and then action follows this energy. But the more we see that, the more it becomes um, visible to others. And there is a hospital type setting. The way I see it, Trish, is it's more it's so like a combination between a hospital and a spa. And okay. quite often when people first come over, especially if they've been sick, they'll find themselves in that area. And there's a lot of doctors and nurses that gravitate there mm -hmm. because they, they're in the helping profession. Now, I don't know if that's, that's what you were referring to in the, in the, I just, in the, I just remember in the book that was, or not, but yeah. Yeah. That, that's fast. Well, so if you think about those hospital areas. Mm -hmm. The pandemic has killed over 900,000 Americans. Right. I mean, that's a lot of souls. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and worldwide, uh, it's what, several million? So yeah, are there so, some type, type of angels that are just uh, working on helping bringing people across when there's uh, some kind of mass uh, uh, experience where there's a lot of deaths all at once? Or is that well, you know, it's interesting. That's an interesting question, Rob. But but what you see is there are a lot of light workers. Mm -hmm. So 
people, you know, in 3D life that have these connections. And I mean, people have written books about where they were during 9-11 and all of a sudden, you know, a portal opens and they see these people coming through. There are a lot of people that actively seek out people that are transitioning because there are more of them and they help them across. Now, are there more angels and guides on that area too? Probably. I never really thought about that. In -hmm. fact, maybe that's where we get our heads up that we need to do this. You know, we can connect with people who have crossed over during our sleep time. Uh, And that's when most, when it happens with most people because our, our egos pushed aside, our right. judgments pushed aside. We don't judge it. We just go with it. Mm-hmm. And there are days that I will wake up in the morning after a quote, good night sleep. And I'm exhausted because <laughs> I know that I've helped with a lot of people transition. Uh-huh. Yeah. When, when I was at lifeline, I was taking one person at a time, yeah. but after a while, when I no longer needed the proof, I would start bringing in groups of, 10, 20, and 30 people at a time helping them cross over. Mm -hmm. Now, anytime I go to Focus 27, just during a regular meditation, I always stop in that in-between, between between Focus 21 and 27, I Mm -hmm. always stop and grab a few people and bring them with me. It's just natural. Yeah. So in all of your explorations, have you had any encounters with negative entity, entities? And if uh, so, how do you deal with them? I have been, you know, I'm not naive enough to think that the dark side does not exist. Okay, yeah. But I am lucky enough to have had very few encounters with them. In fact, um, one of my first overt connections with angels came because someone was stalking me. I know it's important to protect yourself when you're dealing with anything that has the, you know, the potential to be right. negative, you know. Right. Whether, I was going to ask you about the protection. Do you use some kind of uh, uh, chant or uh, something I, you say? Oh, my goodness, Rob. I have. <laughs> this is, well, I'm going to try to shorten this. Okay. One thing I love about the messengers is they have given me tools to use. And uh-huh. some of these tools are for protections. Now, I'm going to plug a YouTube, one of my YouTube channels right now. Okay. I have a channel called The Reluctant Messenger Unleashed. Mm-hmm. I was a guest on Exploring Consciousness podcast by Don, with Donna Rebido. And she really loved the books. And so her guides told her to start this YouTube channel. Uh-huh. The Reluctant Messenger Unleashed is a virtual book club that goes through the first book chapter by chapter. And we just finished the last episode last week. But the last two episodes were bonus episodes. We went through so many of the tools that we learned from the Reluctant Messenger. Hmm. So, you know, people can check that out on YouTube. But there are so many tools that they have given us. There's tools for rapid expansion. There are tools for guidance, but so important are those tools for protection. I mean, after all, our guides and angels are here not only to guide us, but to protect us. But part of that guidance includes sharing tools that we can use anytime. It empowers us to, like, step up to the plate and take control. So, So, yeah. So, um, so are... uh, is there are there such things as fallen angels as in the Bible? You know, I don't know. Um, have they ever ta- have, have they ever talked about that or addressed they, that? They have they have not, and that's not hmm. something I've I've asked about. Yeah. I do know that um, there are entities of lower vibrations, and I just try to stay away from them. Yeah. I make sure yeah. that I surround myself yeah. with white light. And, you know, it's it's easy enough once you are out there in the ethers or wherever, when something approaches you that doesn't feel right Mm -hmm. and the back of your hair, the neck on the back of your hair, you use your heart as discernment. If it doesn't feel right, you just push it aside. 
You go the other way. Yeah. Uh, I brought this up because we have a friend who also lives on the other coast, uh, not too far from you in Sarasota. Uh And and she's done a lot of the same similar explorations uh, as you have. But she's encountered this negative energy over and over and it's just taken over her life. She uh, she can't get out of it. It's like three years now. Uh, These entities have... um, I should uh, put you in contact too. with her uh, or let you. She's been on her podcast twice, and it's pretty scary what she talks about. Uh, but uh, she's done. She's a retired veterinarian. Yeah, she's a, <laughs> a vert, veterinarian. Uh, but, you know, it's maybe you don't want to go into that yeah, right. area. But, uh, it's it's uh, positive. It, yeah. That's, I mean, that's got that's got to be frightening. I mean, yeah. This, you know, my whole connection with the with these angels started out when I needed some protection. You know, this man was stalking me and I mean, invading my dreams. And it's like, whoa, what's going on? And the first thing that happened is I started getting messages from angels and they told me that they were building a cage of light around me that kept me protected from this man. And a side effect of that would be I would no longer remember my dreams, you know, that things would be quiet and and still for a while. I mean, Mm. I have this dream journey journal that is almost 250,000 words long. So I remember (laughs) my dreams. I document them. And it's great because a lot of times the messengers will bring up a dream that I had. 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And all I have to do is search and I find, Jeez. you know, I find the dream. But um, it is That's important. Like you to, and Andy Paquette, he yeah. has volumes and volumes yeah, of dreams. Right. Like yeah. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to Another guest we've had. Uh, you, were, you write about um, uh, earth angels. Uh, what are earth angels? Well, you know, I love the term earth angels. I I, yeah. I thought they were fairies mm-hmm. and I still call them fairies. But what the what the messengers have told me is like, no, they're earth angels. So, yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of different categories and groups and subgroups of angels. We have archangels. We have guardian angels. But we also have these beautiful earth angels. They're connected to the earth. They they are here to enliven the plants and the trees and, and everything as of nature. But it they're not they're not just a fairy, you know, or uh, or a gnome. They are actually from the angelic realm. And I just think that's that's so beautiful. I love yeah. it. Right, yeah. And the, the name actually sounds like an oxymoron, Earth Angels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Well Candace, tell uh, everybody where they can find your website, your books. And your YouTube, of course. Well, they can uh, just Google Candace Sanderson and probably all of those will pop up. But my okay. website is Candace with an I-C-E, CandaceSanderson.com. My two books are The Reluctant Messenger and The Reluctant Messenger Returns. The Reluctant Messenger Returns is more about the uh, angel connections. Uh-huh. Um, my YouTube just, you know, just... It's actually the reluctant messenger, Candace Sanderson, but just Google it and you'll find it. Or just go to my website and you can you can uh, connect that way. And uh, you'll see my. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And I and just on released, Amazon, right? Yes. And I yeah. just released the second edition of the reluctant messenger. When I went through the reluctant messenger unleashed with Donna Rebido. As we went through each episode, and these episodes, you know, some are maybe only 20 or 30 minutes, but most of them are an hour. But as we would be talking and preparing for each chapter in each episode, it's like, whoa, I didn't think of this. And what about that? And more messages would come. And it was like, this was too valuable not to update yeah. the book. So I just updated. Uh, so there's a second edition now of that first book. Oh, that includes the stuff you uncovered. <laughs> yes, right? absolutely. Yeah, that's really cool. Right. Okay. Huh. Do you have oh, what, is... Do you have uh, anything further planned? Uh, more books, or what are you doing? What's your focus now? Well, my focus is uh, to come up. I, I'm going to actually produce three or four very small books. But what I'm doing, so many of my chapters 
have a specific audience, like the whole chapter on the first book called Stampede. It's uh-huh. all about a Native American culture. So uh-huh. I'm going to take that and make it into like a small little book, which would be great at Christmas time for a yeah, stocking great. stuffer. Yeah. Um, because they really do speak to different audiences. Mm-hmm. Okay. What, what other ones? Sense, well, you know, one is going to be about the crystalline grid that surrounds the earth. It's like when I first got that information, I thought, what is that? That's crazy. I Googled <laughs> it and there were like 10 million hits. And I thought, oh, OK, God. Candace, everyone knows about a crystalline grid around the earth. But you but so many of, of the messages I've gotten, it was all I knew information. And only once I knew I was not getting any more information on that topic, only then would I research. And it's like, oh, that yeah. that really exists. Yeah. Just like, you know, there's a thing in, in, in the book about the life force weavers. Right. Yeah, something that's, that. Well, it, it, I mean, I, I had this message that said the whole energy body of a person consists of these orbs, these these spheres of energy that are actually memories. And in my vision, I saw a person's body and I saw these different, you know, translucent orbs, different colors, though. And there was this little silver cord, looked like fishing wire, that ran through each one of them. And the messengers told me that was a life force weaver. These were the life force weavers. And that's what defines a body, a human body, for example, as being alive. Now, mm. when you're in a coma, um, that those life force weavers start to unravel. Same thing happens if you're meditating. Those spheres start to unravel. But when you make your final transition, <clears throat> that life force weaver, which they say is actually called the silver cord in the Bible, uh-huh. that leaves. And so now you have these orbs. These orbs are memories. And as they float away from the physical body, you see each one of them. And it's not just your memory. It's anyone's memory who was with you at the time. So this is why we have a life review. We actually see these orbs of memory float away and we can revisit them. So it serves two purposes. One it becomes philosophical. You know, we'd learn lessons. What did we do right? What could we have done differently? Uh-huh. But then the messenger said, it's also pure physics. You have to get rid of this dense energy in order to ascend. Well, uh-huh. once again, I thought this was crazy talk, but I, but I accepted it. I wrote it down. <clears throat> and then five years later, I bought a CD by Dr. Scott. Taylor, it was a hemisync CD. It's called Into the Light. And in one of his um, selections, it's called Life Review. He talks about these orbs of energy that are all memories and how you can go into the memory and review it. Now, Scott is a near-death experiencer, um, and he's researched over 6,000 near-death experiences So what I thought was crazy about these life force weavers and these orbs of energy, he had researched it and found the same thing. And I just thought Uh, that's just so cool. I realized talking to people like you, Candace, I realized how much I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) We can can talk as much as you want, whenever you want. And and you and I will both learn from each other. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, yeah, Candace. It's been, it's been great, great having you. Well, thank you so much. Come out. Let us know. I will. I will. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Have a good. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. I will. You too. Okay. okay. Take care. Bye now. Bye bye. Thanks for joining the Mystical Underground. Visit www.themysticalunderground.com for the latest blog post and book info. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Listen to the podcast at podcast.themysticalunderground.com. 
follow Trish and Rob on Instagram at Trish and Rob McGregor. Follow us on Twitter at The Mystic Cast. Send email to podcast at themysticalunderground.com. And until next week, thank you for listening and stay mystical. Mystical.